0: So Jesus, we pray that you would meet with us here today. We don't want to just come to a church service. We don't just want to sing and hear some stuff. We want an encounter with you, and so we pray that you would speak to us. Father, we come in this room from all different backgrounds, days, weeks, years, lifetimes, but right now, your spirit can speak to each of us, and that's what we ask for. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. Today's message, we are in the book of James and we are working our way through and this week and next week are two of the hardest messages that I will probably ever have to speak. And so congratulations, if you're a guest of ours, you have come on this Sunday. And so we're working through James and and this passage is controversial and it has been used in the past to condemn many people. It's a passage that when applied correctly, it can draw us into a thriving, growing relationship with God. But it's a passage that if applied incorrectly can just mire a person down in religious duty and hypocrisy. So that said, I want to look at what James has to say about the relationship between two building blocks of our faith. Faith and works. Faith and works. Faith is defined as confidence in what is unseen. Faith is that deep, well of belief and hope in God almighty and in Jesus while works works this is good deeds and this is good actions it's it's clothing those who need clothing and feeding those who need food it's it's loving and speaking grace extending mercy it's it's any good deed done in the name of loving God and loving people and and these two words faith and works have given theologians and people throughout history a lot of spiritual heartburn because we have these these questions when it comes to faith and when it comes to works. Like, what saves me? What saves me? We say one thing and we, be, we behave another thing. And some people just, they're all over the map on the spectrum of what saves me? Faith and works. Works and faith. Like, like can faith save me? But what if there's no transformation inside? And what if there's no works coming out of that faith that transformed, that, that should have changed me? Or what about works? Like surely God cares about the good things you do, right? Surely he cares about the bad things you do. Like, like works of God have been the equation somewhere. So, so what leads to salvation? Is it faith or is it works? And so James today here in James 2 is going to stir up this debate in the way that only James can do it. But I want to make something clear before we even get in. Because I want there to be not even a hint of religious condemnation today. So I'm gonna do something before we even get into the text. And I'm gonna say this you are saved, we are saved by grace alone. Our salvation comes from the, the work of Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection on the and and if we have faith in him, because of his grace, we have salvation. It's by grace alone. But that's not often how we behave. Like if I were to ask you right now, how are you doing spiritually? Most of us, myself included, would go to some sort of list. We have a list. We have this, um, we have good things and we have bad things. And, And we keep track of our spiritual life oftentimes based on this list. And there are those of us and there are lots of people who believe that salvation is based on this list. That someday I'll get to heaven and God will have this big, he'll go, well, let's see, there's 16,000 of these and 16,001 of these. Ooh, so close. (laughs) Like, oh, hey, hey, I'm in church on Sunday. Doing pretty good, I made it. (laughs) I'm gonna tithe just a ton. Oh, yeah, I'm doing really good. Oh, but then on the way out, I, I did get in a fight with my, my spouse on the way, and then I was very impatient with the kids, and then well there was that thing, yeah, and then and then there's this that no one knows about, but 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 I did see someone, a homeless, and I gave him, I gave him some money, but did it count because it wasn't like enough, and then I used the rest. <laughs> like and then that thing I was never gonna do again, but then I'm back at church And so like, we have this whole list, and and I just want to clarify for us this morning um, that, that this is the belief that works somehow have to do with our salvation. And just to clarify, before we even get into James, Jesus has something to say about your works, and he says this, that his sacrifice covers everything. That because of Jesus, because of his grace, those, who, are, those who, who, who he knows and who knows him, who have come to, to find that salvation in Jesus, when, when I get to heaven, he's not going to say, so, 16,001, he's going to see, oh, I do see works, but Daniel, it's not your works I see, it's the works of my son on the cross, and all is forgiven, and there is no list. It is by grace alone Ephesians echoes this. It says this, "But because of His great love for us, God, is who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. We were what? Dead. We were what? Dead. dead in our transgressions and sins. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, it's not from yourselves. it is a gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast about any of their lists. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do our own good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are saved by grace alone. And so what is this whole thing about works even about? I mean, if Jesus took care of the works, why is it so controversial? It seems like a pretty open and, and shut case. Like, the Beatles were wrong. All we need is grace. They they were so close, it's it's not love. But see, we're not so fast because we can't just skip past this. Because many of us behave this way, that there's a list somewhere at work in us. And we probably admit in a room this size, there's those of us who actually believe this, that my eternal destination is based on what I do and do not do alone, that my works determine my destination. And today, James is gonna challenge each of us Listen, if you're a veteran churchgoer and you've been down this road a thousand times, there's something for you today. If you're a guest and this is your first time in church in forever, God has something for you today. This is for all of us. Faith and works. What we believe and how we behave. And today James is gonna challenge us. He's gonna say, listen, there's a gap between what you claim to believe and how you behave. There's a gap between what you claim faith in and the works that are happening in your life. And James is calling us to maturity, and maturity is closing that gap. So there's not this huge expanse between what we claim we have faith in and and the works that we actually see in our life. He's calling us to maturity. And with that said, let's now jump into what James has to say. Verse 14, "'What good is it, my brothers and sisters, "'if someone claims to have faith but has no works?' And what, what good is it to say you have faith in Jesus if there's no works flowing from that? You know, if I said, who has faith in Jesus? So many of us raise our hands. We, we all raise our hands to that. Not all, but most of us would say, well, yeah, we have, I have faith in God. I don't know how to define that really, but I got faith in that. But when it comes to actually putting our faith in action or stepping out onto our faith or, or with our faith or taking a risk in our faith, a lot of hands come down. See, we'll claim faith, but oftentimes the works that should accompany it, you're a little scared about that. In fact, in 1892, there was a daredevil named Clifford Calvary, and he pushed a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on a tightrope, much to the astonishment of all the crowd. And he arrived over to their side and he says, Raise your hand if you believe I can do that again. And they just, yeah, whoa, you can do it again. Are you kidding me? That was nothing. He goes, how many of you, bl- keep your hands up, how many of you believe I could do it again with somebody in the wheelbarrow? Oh, of course he could. That would be nothing for, for old Clifford. You know, I leave your hands up. Who wants to get in the, in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> you see, there's a big difference. Whew, there's a big disconnect between, oh, I got faith in that, I got faith in that. Well, Let's, 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 let's step on it. Let's exercise it. Let's take a risk in it. Oh, well, you know not so sure about that one what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no works can such faith save them that's a big question james asks us if you claim to have faith in jesus but there's no redemptive work in you and there's no redemptive work coming out of your life are you even truly saved and this is the, I'm going to go ahead and give you away the quick of today's message. If we say we have faith in Jesus, but there's no transformation, and there's no transformation coming out, there's no works, there's no deeds, there's no fruit of the Spirit flowing from our heart, we need to go back and re examine what we say we have faith in. Because we might be surprised. We might be surprised at what we find. We may have faith in something. We have faith in something. But if there's nothing flowing out of our lives that that comes out of that faith, we have to admit we might not have the faith in Jesus that we think we do. You see, I know some people that that come to accept Christianity into their heart. They accept cultural Christianity into their heart, but I just want to tell you, that's not faith in Jesus. And that does not save you. There are those who, who accept churchianity into their heart. You know they grew up in the church and they know all the lingo and they 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 know um they know how to shake hands at the end with the two-handed shake and, and if there's a potluck they know which casseroles to go to and they know who not to sit next to in church cuz they sing the loudest. They know church, but they've actually never put their faith in Jesus. So this is a very important question to ask yourself today. Is my faith in Jesus Christ of the Bible, his death and resurrection, and is it transforming my heart, and is there transformative work coming out of that? Because we could have faith in something, and it might not be the truth of what Jesus speaks about. Because what Jesus speaks about has the power to to change us. You see, because of the cross of Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of us. And the fruits of the Spirit should begin to grow from those roots of deep faith. You see, God works grace into my life for salvation, and then He works grace out of my life to a world that needs it. If we believe something and there's nothing on the other side of it, go back and re examine the something you say you have faith in. We might be surprised. And for some of us, we might have to have an honest prayer of coming to salvation in Jesus for the first time. And that would be okay. That would be amazing. A a pastor tells a story about um, an elder who was an elder who came to salvation in Jesus while on the elder board. See, this elder had been raised in church his whole life. He'd grown up in it. He knew the talk. He, He knew how to navigate through the church world and then at some point in his life he realized that he had faith in christianity and the church but he never really made that leap to say jesus christ is it and he was noticing the lack of fruit inside of himself and the lack of it coming out of him so what is this relationship between faith and works like is there an order to it and salvation how does it fit in there and i, and I know many of you have we have a pretty active crowd here we've all run a race at some point right it might have been in third grade for field day, but we all ran a race. And we all got a participation ribbon and some got other colors and they were faster. But, but we've all maybe run something. Maybe you're like me and you're just built for speed, you know, just quick twitch. And I did track as a kid and I would, I would sit there on the, and I would look down there and there's a finish line down there. And you get down into those blocks, you know, the blocks. Like me and you Usain Bolt, we use these kind of things. And so I get down into the blocks and they say ready, and then you're just all anticipation, waiting for the gun to go off, and then just, Phew! and when you cross that finish line, just the adulation and glory, <sighs> you know, when it comes to our faith, we have come to believe that salvation is the finish line. Then I go through my life, and I finally cross the tape to, to salvation, and I've made it, and I get the crown, and oh, it's just it feels good, and I want to just say, Salvation is not the finish line. Salvation is the starting blocks. Whatever happens in your life, when you come to salvation um, in Jesus by his grace and his calling, and you are now on the path, on the journey, on the race, and God has a lifetime ahead of you to do great things, and someday, someday, hopefully a long time from now, when your life passes, you will cross the finish line and receive the prize for eternity. But salvation is the start. Move the start. Move the salvation back to the starting block. It's not the finish line. It's not like you don't cross it and I'm done spiritually. It's just the beginning. In, my, in many places, there's a, there's a belief that if you stand up and you pray the prayer or you come down the aisle, then you've made it and you're done. And here at the orchard, we we been working through this vision of loving God and loving people. I hope you begin to see that salvation is where we start because there's a whole journey ahead of us, a journey every day of, of knowing God better, a journey every day of, of knowing um, what it means like to be more like Jesus, of loving God more than myself and loving other people as myself. That's our journey. That's our race. Back to James as he builds this case in verse 15. He says, suppose a brother or sister Is without clothes and daily food. The word daily is important. This person is destitute. They're not just, they don't just need some casseroles because they're having a tough time. They need daily food. If you see a brother or sister who's in this condition, and if one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. I hit like on a post. I feel like I did something. Mm. He says, what good is that? You know, the good Samaritan wouldn't be so good if all he had was good intentions. 1 John 3.18 says, Let's not merely love with our words, but with our actions and truth. James uses an example here. He says, for those who who claim to have faith and, and claim to love your brother and sister, if you just give them lip service, do you actually love them? Do you really love them if you just give them lip service? I mean, if you claim to love God but only give him lip service and there's no action, do you actually love them? Jesus told his disciples this. He said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. These works will come out of love. That doesn't sound like a lip service faith to me. You see, at some point, what we say we believe and the way we behave, that gap should begin to, to get smaller. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and be well fed, but doesn't do anything about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself if not accompanied by action, is what? Is what? Dead. It's dead. And that's the same word, the same word that we talked about earlier in Ephesians, that we were dead in our sin. And he says that that faith is dead. Those who claim to believe, yet there's nothing redemptive happening in them or flowing out of them. James asks, is that dead? You see, because the grace of God brings your spirit to life. And then the Spirit of God works in you to bring life to the world around us. And if there is no life, faith is not viable, it's dead. One of the most famous preachers in the world, Spurgeon, has this. He gives this illustration, and it's a very easy illustration. It's about a tree in an orchard, and the roots are the rootedness of faith, and the leaves and the apples are the fruits, the works. And he says this, a tree has been planted out in the ground in the orchard. Now the source of life for that tree is its roots. Whether it has apples or not, the apples, the works, do not give it life. The whole life of the tree comes from its roots. But if that tree stands there in the orchard and the springtime comes and there's no budding and the summer comes and there's no, leaving, there's no leafing, and there's no fruit bearing. And then it happens the next year. And it happens the next year. And it still stands with no budding and no blossoming, blossoming, no leaves and no fruits. The orchard master would say that tree is dead. And he would be right. But listen to this: it's not that the leaves or the fruit could have ever made it live, it's the absence of the fruit that show us that it is dead. So it is with the one who professes faith in Jesus. If they have life, that life must give fruit and works. If it has faith as its root, but there is no works, then would it be correct to think that they are spiritually dead? You see, for the tree and for our faith, The source of life is the root, not the fruit. The fruit is simply the proof that there is life within. James goes on and this time he inserts this protagonist who intellectually tries to spin this conversation of faith and works and separate the two and he says this, but someone will say you have faith and I have works, but James replies, show me your faith without works. Show it to me, because I Because no one can see it. You say you got faith, but no one can see it. He goes, I will show you my faith by my works. My faith will be known by my works. You see, there are people who who make, in our our world, that make this split. And they, in our culture, they over-spiritualize everything. And sometimes, they will use their deep and mystic belief to cover a life that actually has very little fruit. And sometimes the only evidence we have that somebody knows Jesus is this flowery religious talk that they have. But there's nothing else that comes out of it. It would be like this. If there were a man out there by an icy lake, just standing there, and I walk up to him and he goes, guess what? The ice is 10 inches thick. It'll hold you. I would say, oh cool, have you walked out there on that ice? Oh, no, 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 I don't walk on the ice, but I know all about it. Oh, yeah. And he would go on, he would describe for me, you know, freezing points and pressure, and he would describe the water below and, and, and weight, and he would know all that. He would know more about the ice than I do. And I would say, well, that's great. Why don't you walk onto it? Oh, <laughs> I don't need to walk on the ice. I have 100% faith that the ice would hold me. Well, if you have 100% faith that the ice would hold you, stand on that faith. I don't need to do that. I am saved from falling through by faith. And by my amazing understanding of the saving power of the ice. You see, there there are those of us who know a lot about the saving power of ice. But we've never actually exercised our faith to step onto it. We talk a big game. We listen to icy radio stations. We do icy book studies. We share ice quotes on our Facebook. (laughs) We talk about those that don't know the ice quite as good as we know the ice, but we've never actually got on the ice. Do you know you can never lead somebody where you've never been? And some of us have never led anyone to Jesus because we're standing next to it talking about him instead of standing on it. And James says, you want to see my faith? I'll show you by my works. And he stands on it. You can never lead people where you haven't been. James says, you say you have faith in the ice. I'll show you my faith by my actions. James makes it clear that our faith is revealed by its works. We're not saved by works. Hear me. But our faith is made known by it. While those who claim to have a deep faith without anything redemptive coming out of their life or at work in their life, James asks, what good is it? There's no apples on that tree. It's been years. It's been decades. And now James is about to continue in a way that only James can. You believe, he goes, you believe there is one God good even the demons believe that and shudder i mean he he just throws down this gauntlet of conviction you believe there's a god well congratulations so do god's enemies you see the the demons are the enemies of god opposite of the angels and it's so strange to say but i think many i think the demons have better theology than many christians they know, the, they know the nature of a powerful God. They, they knew Jesus when he came to earth. And in fact, Satan quotes the Bible. You say you believe in God? So do the demons. But your belief might not be any use to you. You know, I, I, there's a Denver Bronco named Steve Atwater that I just really like. Steve Atwater was a a future Hall of Famer safety, and and I can't get through a sermon without a Bronco illustration. It's a rule of mine. Listen, I know all of Steve Atwater's stats. I I know where he went to college. I, I know his accomplishments. I even had an encounter with him one time, one summer. I have some of his writings on some cards on my shelf. But in reality, I don't know Steve Atwater. Not personally. Now I could sound like I do with my big talk and my writings, and my knowledge of all of his life. But in the end, if I'm introduced, if Steve Atwater's here, he would not know me, (laughs) and I would not know him. And you see, many of us may have grown up hearing about Jesus, and you may know some of his stats. Oh, he raised that Lazarus guy from the dead! You may know some of his stats and some of his accomplishments. You you may have even had an encounter with him one summer at camp. And you may have some of his writings on your shelf. But but do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Because believing that Jesus was real and knowing the stats of his healing and his resurrection, James says that's not enough. The enemies of God know that how has your deep faith in in Jesus transformed you? Is there any evidence in our lives of this deep experience that we claim we have with him? James goes on. He says, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without works is useless? He just keeps going. The word foolish here also means empty-handed. In fact, when Jesus uses this word often, it means empty hands. And so James is saying, you empty-handed person, You've been saying you've got faith, but you stand there with nothing to show for it. And he says faith without works is useless. The word useless, Jesus uses in Matthew 20 to describe workers who are standing around doing nothing. So I'd read like this. You've got nothing in your hands to show for your faith, and your spiritual life is standing around doing nothing. So now James is going to go ahead and give us that evidence, some examples of faith and works. And he uses Abraham, one of the heroes of the Old Testament, the fathers of the religion. He says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Abraham had great faith. And how do we know How do we know Abraham had great faith? Because God called him to a task that few of us could do. And Abraham's faith and works was revealed. Abraham had enough faith to give up what meant the most to him because God asked. He had faith that God was good no matter what happened. He had faith that God was his provider no matter what he lost. He had had faith that God's plan was bigger than his. And so in faith, Abraham acted Out of Abraham's faith, he worked. His faith works. Through faith, Abraham engaged his belief. and It matched his behavior. Because of faith, he obeyed God when he was prompted. Abraham had faith, and he acted. He obeyed. He moved. He engaged his life with it. But what if Abraham had said, ooh, I have faith in God, but that's I'm just not ready for that yet. I'll get to that in some years when I've kind of got some stuff under my belt. I kind of get more of a hang of this stuff. Uh, I know God's good. I know God's true. But I'm just like, I'm just not feeling that request right now. But don't be mistaken. (laughs) I have huge faith. Like like really, my faith is really solid. How solid would his faith actually be? You see, Abraham could have put off God's request. And you you know what would have happened to his spiritual life at that moment? If he puts that off, it would have begun to atrophy. And no matter what, Abraham claimed his faith about God when he says, nah, not right now, that reveals an internal reality about his faith. Abraham would have begun a lifestyle at that moment of putting off what he didn't like. He would have only engaged his faith when it was convenient and he felt like it. Abraham's feelings would have become the master of his faith. His faith could only activate when he felt like it. And that would have made Abraham's own self the thing he has the most faith in. I have the most faith in my feelings that I know it's ready when I feel it. He would have been standing by the ice, declaring how how it would hold everybody without ever getting on it. But Abraham engaged his faith, and his works revealed his faith. And Orchard, some of us in this room, I just want to get very honest for a second. Some of us in this room, if we can get very honest, along with me, we would admit that our Christian life isn't working as well as we'd hoped. Some of us would could admit, you know, I read a lot of stuff in here. I just always wonder where it is. And there's some stuff that God's just really not never has been, He's never been active in my life, in the way that I hear He is other places. If we're honest, and if I was honest with myself, there are times when I have decided to act on my faith only on my terms. On my time when my emotions were ready here's a very simple illustration and remember there is no condemnation in this no condemnation this is a this is a real-time illustration that takes it out of this theory of abraham and puts it right in this room the bible is clear once you come to know jesus as savior the next step is baptism now it's not even hard to discern in the bible it's all in here. And in fact, Jesus himself, when he tells his disciples what to do when, they leave, when he's leaving the earth, he says, go preach. Everyone should believe and then be baptized. He's, Jesus is saying, listen, you've chosen to believe in me personally and privately, but let that be shown. Baptism is our, our first work of a redemptive life. It's the first evidence that flows out of salvation. You receive God's salvation by grace and step two, you get baptized. It's 101 first day things. But, but you know what we do? We think this. We think, I'm just not really ready for that yet. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm just gonna wait a bit until I get some more of these years under my belt. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that off until I feel like it. I'm, I'm gonna put it off until, until God calls me to it. When God's, call in his word is very clear. And the unfortunate part is right out of the starting blocks of salvation, we started a pattern of faith and works that says, God, I'll do it when I feel like it. God, I'll, I'll engage my faith in my real life when I'm really feeling okay with it. And we put those things off And sometimes we put it off for a week and a year, and sometimes those years become decades and lifetimes. And by the end of it, we are too embarrassed or too prideful to to go back to the the beginning. And this simple simple illustration shows how how many of us start a life of Jesus, and right at the first, we dictate it by our own feelings. When I'm ready to do something, I'll do it. God's gonna call you out of your comfort zone. If you've been on this journey, you're gonna know, you know that. God calls us out of our comfort zone. He, thought, he calls you to go talk, to go, to go give, to go love, to go love people who you don't love, to go, to go be kind to those when it's uncomfortable. He calls you out of your comfort zone. And rarely, if ever, have I found when God calls me out of my comfort zone, I feel like doing it. I was really ready to just get out of my comfort zone today. Whew, no but as long as my feelings are the master of my faith, my faith growth stops at my feelings because they're holding the door for what gets through. Orchard, this is not about baptism. That was just one real life example. I have plenty of these failings in my own life. This is about having real evidence of a transformed life. This is about having a spiritual lifestyle that when God asks us to go or to do or to speak, our spirit says, yes! Instead of, nah, not yet. I'm just not feeling it right now. James goes on. You see, Abraham's faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the word working together here is the word synergio. It's where we get the word synergy. And this word synergy is the cooperation of two agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their parts. It's a synergy. Faith is potent. Works are potent. And the synergio combines them into something divinely powerful. Faith and works were, were in synergy when Abraham's faith was, it says, it says made complete. The word made complete there is a word James uses all throughout the beginning of his book, and it means mature, grow up. When you step out and act on what God has asked, when you engage your faith into the world around you, your faith works. There's synergy, there's impact, there's redemptive power, and guess what? There's spiritual maturity as you grow. I'm gonna finish with these words of Jesus, because Jesus knew this was important, and he talked about this a lot. Jesus didn't just talk about grace. He talked about works as well. Listen to this. Matthew 5, 16. This is our our Lord speaking. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. Glorify who? They see your works and they glorify him. Do you see why it's so important that we go forth and we show these things? The fruit of our faith allows people to see God but Jesus isn't done. Listen to this. This is mind blowing. John 14, 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. That's us. Bel- we could tell the world, believe me when I say Jesus is, Jesus is inside of me. But then he says, or at least believe the evidence of the work themselves. You ever been to somebody and go, like, yeah, Jesus lives inside of me? And they go, I don't believe it. They just flat out don't believe it. Jesus says, it, that's fine. Believe it based on the evidence that you see very truly i tell you whoever believes in me will do will do the works i have been doing whoever follows jesus in faith will do the works he's been doing they'll do even greater things than these if you love me keep my commands one more john 10 37 jesus says and this is an audacious claim do not believe me unless i do the wa- the works of the father Don't believe me unless I do the works of the Father. Did you know there's a world out there that doesn't believe us? Because the works they see from the church is judgment and hypocrisy. Do, do, does, our, does the works of the church lead people to, to believe in the Father? You see, one reason it's so important that the redemptive work that's done in us comes through us and we love God and love people is because our works reveal the Father. He goes, but if I do these works, if I do them, even though you don't believe in me, Jesus, you can believe the works that you may know and understand the Father is in me. Just based on the works of redemption and love that we can give the world, they can see, hear, taste, and know, and even believe in God Almighty. People say works isn't important. Jesus says, don't believe me unless you see these works. One of the core axioms we have here at the orchard is that we want to see transformed lives and a transformed community. Transform lives and a transformed community. And this happens when our faith is revealed by our words and our works. In fact, words of faith do the talking, but the works of faith do the walking. And this is, the, this, is, this is the DNA of who we are. We love God and love people in word and in works. And God is calling us, like Abraham, to be a people who, in, who engage our faith into the world around us. So they can, even if they don't believe in Jesus, they will see the works. So, as I end this, I wanna remind you one last time. I'm gonna start with this and end with this. Salvation is by grace alone alone. It is a gift of Jesus. And as you get the communion, and remember, this is an open table. If you're a guest of ours, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is an open table. And as you sit there with the symbol of his blood and of his body, remember that that, that, is, that is grace. That you can have salvation by nothing you've ever done or will do. You have salvation because of what he did. So let's not get twisted in all this works conversation that you have to work for any amount of salvation. Jesus is saying that if he lives in your heart and there's redemption inside of you, there should be redemption coming out of you because the world desperately needs to see it. And they may not believe in him, but they will believe it when you love them and you give to them and you speak to them. And at Orchard, as we love all people, no asterisks, as we love everyone, I believe God is looking for a people who are brave enough, who are bold enough to take their level of faith that they say they have and match it with their behavior. And Orchard, we could be those people. We say we love God and we say we love people. As we leave this place, every single person you come across is an opportunity for you to show the reality of a God who gave his life so that we could have freedom and love and grace. And you do that By what you say and do. Let's stop being shy about it. We could be those bold people. We could see God move in power through us. Jesus, we thank you that our salvation is not hinged upon anything we do, solely upon your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for that. We thank you that it is by grace we have been saved. Father, I pray today that in your tenderness, you would speak clearly, because there are some people in here, a few, who thought they'd had faith in Jesus their whole life, but they're seeing that the faith that they had didn't save them. It's not at work within them. I pray that there are those in this room today who would come to a fresh faith in jesus and orchard as you sit down with the elements of jesus's blood and body i want you to re-examine your faith and perhaps today reaffirm your faith in jesus amen amen